0: I want to thank our listeners, especially the ones who took the time to leave us a review. This one comes from Stephanie Keith. This is a wonderful podcast sharing beautiful stories and insights that are so helpful for anyone battling cancer. Stephanie, thank you so much for that five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. Mark Kagayama is a stage four cancer patient with prostate Bone and lung cancer. He has been battling cancer for 17 months. Mark has a YouTube channel called To Be Your Own Hero, which we will put a link to in the show notes. And he looks to inspire people to appreciate their incredible lives. Mark, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story.
1: Thank you so much, Andrea. I'm really, really looking forward to this interview. Thank Me you. Me
0: too. So that. Is a lot three different kinds of cancer. So, can you take us back to when this all started seventeen months ago? What happened?
1: Well, it was kind of a long process because uh, it had to do. It actually started with COVID. Okay. Um, you know, prior to COVID, I was working out regularly three to five times a week. I was in great shape. Never felt my age. I'm, I'm actually going to be turning. 64 here in June. And, uh, you know, that, that was part of my life was working out. And I I was just a regular at the gym and, and, uh, I felt that was in great shape, but when COVID hit, you know, of course we couldn't go to the gym. And all of a sudden, because I was on a, just a really, really tight workout regimen, all of a sudden, I started feeling things because I wasn't able to reach that, that high intensity level of workout. And so I started feeling things in my body. And, and then all of a sudden, like
0: what? Can you give out of an the blue, example? what were you feeling?
1: Yeah, I'm going to give you an example. Out of the blue, uh, my right leg started tightening up and it actually got to the point where it got so bad that I wasn't able to walk at all there was a period of two days that uh, I couldn't walk, I couldn't even get out of bed. And uh, so I knew something was was really, really wrong. I went to the doctor, they, they put me together, and I was able to, you know, at least walk around using a cane. And I, I had to use a walker at that time.
0: Did they have any idea what was wrong at that point?
1: Not really. I, I I'm I'm actually dealing with that issue right now, but uh they felt it was Paget's disease, which it's never been uh definitively diagnosed as Paget's disease. And what Paget's disease is, is it's a uh degenerative bone disease. And so they they felt that this started in my lower back, and it, as the bone grows back, the new bone grows back. Uh, it was crushing my nerves, and so that's what they felt was leading to my inability to walk properly. Okay. So once they felt that that's what what it was, I started doing a real deep dive into uh, my health, and I started getting all kinds of tests. And uh, when you're doing test after invasive test after awful test after inhumane test, uh. You know, you know, something's going on and and it wasn't just, you know, one thing. It was just one after the other. It was like, you know, three to four times a week. I was at at the hospital or the the facility, you know, getting tests. And um, finally, after a, a series of months, my oncologist called my wife and I in and 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 gave us a diagnosis. And she looked she looked at me and she said your cancer is so bad. I can't cure you.
0: Wait, that's how she said it.
1: <laughs> that's that's how she said it. That's how she said it. And what
0: kind it. of cancer specifically?
1: Uh, prostate, bone and lung cancer stage four.
0: Was it prostate that had spread to the bone and lung? God, it. Yes, okay.
1: Yes. 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 And, um, it, it was really bad. And uh, she said, uh, you know, but I'm going to do the best to treat you. And, and immediately what that did was in my mind, I was ready for it. Um, I was ready for that because you don't do all these series of tests for right. nothing. There, there, there's a reason. So in my mind, once she told me that, my mind just triggered and I had already been building a plan to move forward and, and to combat this and because I knew that as soon as I got the word, I had to move and I had to act and I had to uh, do things in order to live. And and so uh, what I immediately started to do was uh, reach out to cancer patients and cancer survivors. And, and I started using uh, social media and LinkedIn. And through LinkedIn, I started connecting with uh, people uh, all over the world. And, and that turned out to be just uh, a great thing to do because through these people, who many have now just become close friends of mine, uh, because the the this uh, cancer a group, I, I don't know what else to call it, uh, the, the people who have cancer, it, it's like a fraternity. So when you meet somebody who is dealing with the same thing that you are, but in a different way, everybody has a different kind of cancer, immediately people open up and want to share with you what they know. And that—that that is just so amazing absolutely amazing and and so i knew in my heart that 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 was the first step that was right and that i needed to do and um you know my friends and family uh, started reaching out and, and that you know for people that don't have cancer or for people that do have cancer that diagnosis time point is so critical it's so important you know instead of feeling sorry for yourself uh you know and saying oh why me why me i asked myself why not me you know god doesn't put things in front of people that they can't handle and and so i i thought to myself there's there's a a meaning and a reason behind this and, and I want to discover that reason and and understand it.
0: So I want to take you back for a moment. Um, okay. You were in your early 60s. Did you, one, did you have any symptoms of prostate cancer? And two, had you gotten any sort of preemptive check? I forget at what age men are supposed to get their prostate checked for the first time, I, but I think it's in your 50s. So I'm just curious about that.
1: Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I knew about you know, things going on with my prostate, and I was treating it probably 10 years prior. Um, but, you know, I, because of money, and everything like that, I, I was doing as much as I could at the time. But, uh, you know, it, it's the thing about cancer is, it's an everyday thing. You know, you can't take no a bad. week off, which I've learned, <laughs> you can't take a month off, Uh, You can't take any time off. You have to deal with it every single day. And and so, you know, as time goes on, uh, you know, you you just kind of let things go or or not are not on top of things. And and that's kind of how everything evolved. So you
0: you had some awareness of your PSA levels a decade before and were monitoring that, but perhaps not consistently. Is that accurate?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. And so when the oncologist told me that she couldn't cure me, that was at a point where my PSA was close to a thousand. PSA is the test that they use for prostate cancer, and they want to use uh, the PSA to determine a number. And that number, generally, you want to keep it under under four or five. Mine, mine was close to a thousand. And uh, so... I I knew that, uh, you know, I had to act and I had to move because I I read a book recently called Radical Remissions by Kelly Turner, which is a great book. And I I read it about a a month and a half ago and I could have wrote, wrote that book because most of the things she talked about, I did, which was just blowing my mind.
0: What was the recommended treatment plan? If she couldn't cure you, what what was your oncologist planning to do?
1: Uh, chemotherapy and and a, a number of different things. I had all kinds of issues. I, I mean, just like what every oh we had we had to deal with my lungs as well. Um, I, I had uh, lung scans, lung biopsies. I was in the hospital for a week, a year ago, uh, because they were uh, doing a biopsy in my lung. And what they do is they stick a needle into a lung and, um, you know, they try to draw a sample of the cancer. And and this never made any sense to me, (laughs) even when I was going through it, because they're trying to get a, a sample of the cancer. That's at the edge of the lung. And so the doctor, what what he told me was, you know, we have to put in, you know, in the hole a tube or this new device. And I said, Doc, I have no idea. (laughs) I'm just going to have to go, you know, with what you recommend. So he said, well, let's go with this new device because I really like it. I said, fine, you know, let's do that. And so they sent me home. They, they did the biopsy. They sent me home with this device and said, come back the next day. So I went back the next day and he started checking me. And all of a sudden, boom, his eyes got really big. And I thought, what in the world is going on? And he said, right away, he said, you know, you're and we're admitting you to the hospital. Why? And I'm like, what? Uh, because my lung collapsed.
0: Oh, God. Oh, no.
1: Yes. And, and so Did you
0: feel short of breath? Did you feel anything?
1: No, nothing, nothing. What kept going through my mind was, and, and it didn't make sense, was they're trying to get a sample of the cancer on the side of my lung, and yet the cancer was preventing the lung from healing. So I thought to myself, why in the world do you do that? You know, it, it just don't, didn't make any sense to me. When I saw the, a live scan of my lungs, when I was getting, uh, the biopsy, I, I actually saw, you know, uh, two white lobes, which were my lungs. And then these black blobs floating around in my lungs. And, and I thought, wow, that's not good. That's not good at all.
0: Yeah. I... So
1: anyway, I had, a, I, I had to stay in the hospital and and uh, in the meantime, I was getting just inundated by friends and family. You know, hey, what's going on? And you know, give us updates and 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 all this kind of stuff. And and at first, it was it was really cool. It was like, man, this is really you know heartwarming to have so many people reaching out. And then it got to be day in and day out. As soon as I'd wake up, I'd be on the phone and I'd do that all day long until the day was over and I thought to myself, I can't sustain this. I'm getting, you know, too weak and and, and what was happening was people were getting upset yeah, at me. God. It, yeah, uh. yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy. And people were getting upset at me because you know, they felt that I was holding information back from Hey, you're not telling me everything, and, but but what was happening was I was going through so many things so quickly that yesterday's news was old news. Right. So I talked to my sisters, my sister and my uh, daughters. I have two daughters,
0: grown daughters. And I just,
1: yes, yes, uh, grown daughters, uh, Tani and Lisa. And so we put our heads together, and I said. You know, we got to figure out something to do something to alleviate this because this is insane, absolutely insane. So, my sister said, "Hey, why don't you start a caring bridge site?" Yeah. So that's what we did—a place where people can go and see how I'm doing, and and I would post at the beginning. I was posting, you know, every every other day or so and people were happy with that because they could see, you know, what was going on. And so that was the first step. So then I started thinking, boy, I'd really like to chronicle this journey. Right. But more importantly, it was really important for me to inspire people from my position. And
0: why? You know, cuz I thought to myself
1: to there's it, it was just something that 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 I felt was Um, part of my mission, part of my journey, uh, because, uh, I, have never been afraid to speak, uh, in front of people, but I've never spoken in front of a camera before (laughs) either, which, which is a really different experience, but, uh, something that now it's just, it's just the old hat. Yeah, I, I
0: can see. So tell us just to give us a little bit more of a background. Prior to cancer, what were you doing? You know, what, what was your career? What, what were you doing with your life? Uh,
1: I, I do consulting and, and I work with uh, commodities and investments and, and things like that. Um, and then, a, as you know, when cancer knocks on your door, you have to answer it. You have to open that door and you have to address the gorilla yeah. in the room. I mean you have to you can't and and so that that's what I did was uh, you know I I set everything down and and I started dealing with with cancer and and so uh, going back to uh, the birth of my YouTube channel to be your own hero I I asked my daughter uh, Lisa hey do you know how to uh, uh, start a YouTube channel she said no but she's but she's really good at tech stuff. She, she said, let me figure it out. And so, so she figured it out and she taught me how to do it. And and I'm so glad that, that I did that because uh, I've done YouTube videos now for uh, about 15 or 16 months, something like that. I don't, I don't really know now. But I look back at my earliest videos and I am just shocked because I was so weak and yeah. so uh, vulnerable, and and my bo- voice was low, and and I was really really thin. I, I weighed at that time when I started, I weighed one hundred and twenty three pounds.
0: <gasps> oh my god!
1: And so today, today I weigh one hundred and sixty, oh. and so
0: so I'm gonna ask: uh, it, It's what made you so thin? Was were you actually thin prior to treatment, or was it going through? that initial chemotherapy that like most people caused you to lose so much weight? Uh,
1: I I think it was a combination of a lot of that, Uh, going through chemotherapy um, and then not working out Mm. uh, like I had before, which uh, I lost, you know, muscle is heavier than fat. And so um, I lost muscle. I, I mean, I looked at my legs. My legs were really basically hard as rock prior to getting cancer. And and then, you know, as soon as I got cancer, it wasn't like that at all. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. But uh, I look back uh, at the beginning and things were really, really different. But the spirit was there. <laughs> and, and, and so...
0: was, was there a point that treatment wise, was there, was there a turning point where you started to feel better? And and if so, what was that? Or did any of the tumors uh, decrease in size? I mean, what, what happened?
1: Great question. Um, how I treated my cancer initially was this, I started off, um, Probably fifty percent conventional and fifty percent uh alternative okay. natural and, and so that's the plan that I came up with um, I did go through six rounds of chemotherapy um, <laughs> and you know my oncologist and I butted heads like crazy why uh, at the beginning because <laughs> she she would say something and I'd say. Uh, okay, let me research it. And she looked look at me and like, why don't you just do what I tell you to do? And I said, because I, I want to know what you're telling me to do. And, and I researched everything that she said and some things I went along with and some things I didn't. Uh, I did go along with the chemo. I did research the type of chemo. Uh, most people don't know there's probably 30 or 40 different types of chemo.
0: Oh, over 200. In fact, I didn't even... Yeah, 200 different kinds of drugs. What did she say with that chemotherapy at that time? What was the goal of treatment? I mean, what, was it specifically for your lungs? Was it, you know, I'm just curious, what was the goal?
1: There, there was nothing specific. Okay. I, I mean, she was just, yeah. I mean, we we're just basically treating, treating all of it.
0: Okay, okay. And, and so... You know, I was working
1: on that and um, I don't know exactly what did what uh, because I was doing so many things. I I completely changed my diet at that particular time as well. Um, I was was a vegan uh, for the prior 10 years and I have uh, several friends of mine that are nutritionists and they basically, all of them told me, they said, you have to add an animal protein into your diet if you want to get better. Yeah. So that was a hard decision. But I said, okay, you know, that, that's what I'm going to do. And, and so I did add the animal protein and, and uh, organic beef and organic chicken and, and, and uh, wild salmon. But uh, what happened was, was when I started eating the animal protein, it was so good I was like voracious, <laughs> and, and and my my daughter who stayed with me, my daughter Lisa stayed with me for two and a half months uh, in the summer of twenty twenty one. She um, she said afterwards, she said I was. So getting scared because you know you were eating so much (laughs) and and i was i was eating morning noon and night and 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 i was just she she was like stunned and but it was so good but that that was a big turnaround turning point uh in my health and and i now realize what what a great thing that was was to change my diet. And,
0: um, your oncologist you know, do, didn't push back on that. Did she?
1: Well, she didn't know a lot. I didn't tell her a lot. <laughs> I don't tell her, you know, a lot of things that I do because, you know, doctors, uh, are so busy, that's true. uh, that they don't have time to, you know, explore a lot of things about the patient. And, um, you know, that's that fair. that's a totally different, uh, interview and everything like that, that, you know, I've, I've talked so long about that particular subject, but.
0: So when did, to give people timeline, when did the chemotherapy end and, and then what did you do next for treatment? Uh,
1: after, after chemotherapy, then it pretty much flipped. I went from, um, about 50, 50 conventional alternative treatment to about twenty uh, percent, roughly, uh, conventional and eighty percent alternative.
0: And where are we uh, time so wise? I, are we in late twenty twenty one? Where are we?
1: We are in the summer of twenty twenty one. Okay. And um, so, what I was, what I started doing was, uh, I started working, and, and I was doing this as I was going along. Sure. I, I met a lot I've met a lot of people and I'm so so grateful and so thankful to the just wonderful beautiful people I've met and, and there was a point in time where back in the uh, spring of 2021 uh, it was so bad for me I wouldn't wasn't able to leave my room for almost two months uh, it took me. 10 minutes to walk across the room took me 20 minutes to take a shower. And and so my point with this is if it wasn't for social media, uh, I would have been totally isolated. So I'm so thankful for that. You know, I was able to do zoom calls with people all over the world, all over the United States. And so I never felt isolated because I always had social media, uh, which i'm so thankful for i use my main source is linkedin but i also use a little bit of instagram uh, clubhouse and and so i am so thankful for that avenue because it kept me in touch with the world and and as a cancer patient that is so critical to keep reaching out Um, and i learned that from my sister Uh, my sister diane she passed away from cancer about four years ago now. That's It'll so be four sad. years in August. Thank you. And, and But she gave me the blueprint, the opposite blueprint of what I started using. Because my sister uh, was very withdrawn and, and she kept everything to herself. In fact, we had to fight just to see her before she passed.
0: Really? But because she wouldn't allow people yes. to see her?
1: Yes. Oh. Gosh. So we were fortunate enough a week before she passed to uh, see her. I, I saw her.
0: Did she live and, or did she live in Southern California like you?
1: Yes. Yes. Oh yes. gosh,
0: and she, she was right there. Ugh.
1: Yes. And, and so we saw, I saw her, had the opportunity to see her before she passed, a week before she passed, and and what I saw, I will never ever forget yeah. uh, she was uh basically bones with a little bit of skin on her yeah. I, I mean it was just excruciating for me to see okay so at that time i told myself if any if i ever got cancer there's no way i'd do what she did yeah and, and so i chose the totally opposite blueprint And I went instead of, uh, you know, withdrawing, I did the total opposite. And I just started reaching out to as many people as I possibly can, could. And and so that's that's what I started to do was uh, just reaching out to people and and just the experience of of doing that and reaching out to cancer patients and survivors was just uh, amazing. nothing short of miraculous and and just you know just for instance meeting people like you and people like tim sohn uh and how we met is is just uh what i would recommend cancer patients to do because people who've gone through it have a certain knowledge uh, of of things to do and things not to do and, and that's what i drew from all of these different people. I drew something from all of these people that's helped helped me get better. And, and I'm still not 100%, but right. compared to where I was, uh, it, it's just night and day,
0: completely well, night and day. You just teed up the next question so beautifully. This was not planned, <laughs> but Mark did an amazing job. So you, like you said, you had a little bit of a blueprint of what not to do with your sister. But it's very different when it does actually happen to you. What is one thing, Mark, you wish you had known at the very beginning of your cancer journey?
1: I, I wouldn't change anything. Um, I, I I mean, I've been so uh, blessed and, and you know I, I just really my faith uh, really increased and. And I, and I put my trust in God, basically. And, and so, as far as for me personally, I, I wouldn't change anything that I've done because. Well,
0: I didn't ask I if you would so... change anything. I asked if there was one thing you wish you had known. Is there anything you wish you had known?
1: Not really. Not really. Um, you just knew what I, not I to think... do,
0: right? With your sister. With her experience yes
1: uh, what was really really important to me was doing it my way mm. I, I, a, a cancer journey is a personal journey
0: yeah
1: and and what when my oncologist told me that she couldn't cure me, the the thing, thing that triggered in my mind was i am going to live period and, and and i was just absolutely resolute that i i, I was going to be around i had too much to i have too much to do still on this earth that they're not going to stop me cancer is not going to stop me. And and so, you know, that, that, that's the resounding thing that triggered in my mind was, um, I'm, I'm going to live and and I'm going to do, do it my way.
0: Let me, first of all, I think that's very, very helpful and insightful because I think that is something that, Maybe patients and families don't miss but doctors sometimes forget. I think they forget that even if your specialty is very narrow and you only treat this one very very specific type of cancer and let's say all your patients are late stage. You know I mean let's say it's so narrow but It doesn't matter because each person's journey, like you said, is different. It's individual. It's and it's a lot of it comes down to personal choices. You know what you choose to do, what you choose not to do like you like you did. Um, So on that note. I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm not sure if you could only do one (laughs) thing to change healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why?
1: god that's such a complex question i know
0: Uh, right (laughs) and you can uh, only do what it it
1: is it 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 is really a deep question um i i've come to really know our medical system and and it's so complex it it is so uh, you, you know when i go to the facilities i go to the hospitals I always think in my mind, what, what affliction do you have? What, what are you going through? And everybody's going through something different. And and what really bothers me about the medical system is we as patients are not treated like people unless we put our foot down and say, hey, I'm a human being, I, I'm a person and, and you know, I want to be treated like a human being. And, and what's the sad thing about cancer patients is when you have cancer, we need more care, more compassion and more love than at any time in our lives. And that doesn't happen with the medical system. You're a number. You're you're a, uh, you're you're just somebody who walks through the door, and, and that's the thing that bothers me the most. Is that it's so rare to meet a doctor with true compassion. There are they're out there, yeah. but so many of them are not like that at all because they're sucked into the system itself, and, and so it's so crowded and, and i feel so sorry for the average person because what the medical system has done is it's gone to using uh apps for patients treatments and the problem with the apps is there's so many people inputting information into the apps that there's so many mistakes i i mean i catch mistakes constantly and 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 so people that aren't tech savvy which you don't need a lot of savviness but a lot of people are not familiar with the workings of an app and and so you know mistakes are made mistakes are made in treatment uh testing uh you name it you know appointment times i i i don't know how many i i'd say mistakes with my appointment appointment times through the app i probably had close to 20 of them last year i mean constantly
0: So irritating right it's supposed to be more efficient like that's the idea behind most of these apps right right and it's
1: not like that at all you have to you have to be your own advocate yeah you have to take charge of your own health because it's your life the doctors they don't you know they care to a point but they don't care Nobody's going to care more about your life than you. And, and that's why it's so important. You have to, you have to fight for you. And, and, and what's so sad, cancer patients, you know, many with, with a higher stage cancer are so weak that it's very difficult to do that so it's what's so important is to surround yourself with people that you could trust a team and a team most importantly that has your best interest at heart because i met so many people that had agendas and said hey you know you need to do this and i think to myself no i don't
0: yeah you don't and, and,
1: and so it's, it's you have a choice it, it's Yes, absolutely and and so so many people when you have cancer They're going to come to you and say you have to do this but you've got to come to a point in time where you can discern information and and Decide for yourself. I've I've been very 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 fortunate, you know that I've made uh, Good choices and, and I've been blessed to make those choices so because there's so much out there and there's so many things that are thrown at you i i can't even tell you and
0: it's confusing yeah it's 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 confusing well mark are you ready for the thriver rapid fire questions
1: absolutely (laughs) okay let's do it
0: beach desert or mountains
1: Beach, desert, or mountains? All of them. I love all of them. Uh, But (laughs) I'd I'd say more beach.
0: See, that surprises me because I know you kind of live in a mountainous, hilly area. So I thought that's what you would say. Beach boys, beetles, or rolling stones? Beach boys. Me too. What's one word that best describes you? Uh,
1: Passionate. Positive attitude.
0: Ah, that was the word I had. Positive. That was it. That was the word. Before you die, what's the last song you want to hear?
1: The last song I want to hear is, um, gosh, I'm thinking of a Whitney Houston song. Uh, uh, What's the one she did for the Olympics? Um,
0: One Moment in Time. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: That that's my all-time favorite song. Is it really? In, in Yes, in in fact, when I was in the hospital, uh, I I did one of my bucket list things is I created a list of my personal all-time favorite songs. And there was like 160 of them or something like that. Um, and that was number 1. Really? Mo- moment in time. Wow. Yes.
0: Okay. I love it. I love Whitney. Yeah, I just.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and so that was kind of like the theme of my journey.
0: I like that.
1: Moment in time.
0: Before you die, the last person or people you want to see?
1: The last people. I, I just want to see my family.
0: And the last words you will speak.
1: Uh, no regrets, no regrets. I, I lived
0: I love a, that.
1: a life that I chose.
0: I don't know that anyone's ever said that before. I'm trying to think. Maybe one person, some version of that, but I love that. Aside from Cancer You, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And then I want you to be sure to tell people how to get in touch with you.
1: Uh, I would recommend uh, a website called The Truth About Cancer, and and Ty, it's by Ty Bollinger. Ty and his wife. Uh, I've used that site uh, uh, for many for many years, actually, and highly recommend it. What it is is a uh, a site all about uh, natural solutions, and what he does is once a year he flies all over the world and interviews uh natural doctors for the latest updates and and things like that so i'd highly recommend it because diet is such a critical factor in in healing cancer and and they talk a lot about diet you know i've done diet uh videos as well as supplement videos and that and that's a very very important thing uh so i that's what's really helped me is a combination of both uh, conventional and natural treatments because I, I I absolutely swear by it, so that's uh, what I would recommend.
0: okay
1: um, there's a lot of other things I'd recommend, but uh, we we don't have ten hours for,
0: uh, <laughs> Well, tell people how they can get in touch with you
1: they can people can get in touch with me uh, through LinkedIn uh, It's under Mark Kagayama. Uh, I also have my YouTube channel, and it's called two, the number two, the letter B, Your Own Hero, and that's on YouTube, and I've been doing that for over a year. Uh, we also have on Clubhouse, we have a room on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, called Cancer Conquering Community, and, and it's just I mean, I gush when I talk about that because the the people in there are just so. In fact, you were there.
0: Uh, I was. This past Thursday. For the first time. Thank you so
1: much. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for having and, me. I'm also on Instagram, but my main focus is uh, LinkedIn as well as uh, Clubhouse. Those are my two main things.
0: Okay, so, so we will put links to that in the show notes and the workshop notes. Mark, thank you so much for, for coming on today and sharing your story.
1: Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity, and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you're, you're an absolute pro, and I love your story as well, and uh, I, I, I'm just so blessed. Thank you.
0: Thank you.